Hello and welcome back to the Panthers Tracks podcast. I am your host, Ellis Williams. We have a special edition of the pod today, a jam-packed preview edition, and I am joined by the one and only Scott Fowler. Scott, how are you doing? I'm great, Ellis. Thanks for letting me join you. Of course. I'm glad we're finally able to do this in our beautiful podcast studio. If I sound a little crisper and we look a little sharper, that's because we're here at the Launch Factory uh, in our beautiful studio, as I mentioned. Before we get going in this jumbo preview edition, uh, a little bit of house cleaning. Uh, We here at the Charlotte Observer have a beautiful preview edition of our paper coming out the day of the Browns. Panthers season opener. Of course, it is Browns week uh, as the Panthers are gearing up for their week one opener. That paper comes out the day of the game, as I said, September 11th. You'll see a beautiful A1 front done by our award-winning editorial cartoonists. We are extremely excited about it. We've poured a a ton of time, resources, and, and concepts into this. Please go pick it up. Enjoy that cover, but also eat up what is inside. We have five or six stories focusing on keys of the season of course we'll have schedules some betting props uh just a a really jam-packed section for you guys to enjoy what should be a very intriguing panther season of course scott one of those keys is head coach matt rule and how he performs on the sidelines this year as the leader of the carolina panthers he's one of the keys but he's also one of the number one storylines going into this season, not just for the Panthers, but really league-wide. Let's start there at unpacking what is a couple of the biggest storylines going into this year, starting with Matt Rule. Scott, everyone is aware of it. No one's really talking about it here. How hot is Matt Rule's seat, and just how big of a storyline is this going into the season compared to Panther seasons past? Well, it's pretty warm. Uh, that's a that's a pretty hot seat. If you look at the betting uh, odds in Las Vegas, he is in every one of them, Ellis, uh, listed as the most likely coach right. to be fired first in this season. Now, those things, of course, take them with a grain of salt, but Matt Rule has gone 10-23 and 23 in two seasons. Uh, he's – but, on, alternately, he turned around Temple and Baylor in year three – this is year three, so it's a huge year for him. I mean, basically, they have to win enough for Matt. They have to show significant progress for Matt Rule to keep his job. He hasn't acted, I don't think. You've been around practice more than me, but he doesn't act like a guy who's about to lose his job. Seems pretty calm and collected and, I think, uh, fairly relaxed. But if they start 0-4 or something goes really wrong in the first month, uh, this will be the overriding storyline of the season. 100%. And I'm glad you mentioned Matt's demeanor throughout this this preseason, this training camp. Um, he has seemed lighter. He seems like he's having more fun. We even asked P.J. Walker recently at the podium, now the backup quarterback for the Carolina Panthers after uh, a slew of injuries here. Obviously, uh, first to Matt Corral, who will not play this year due to a Liz Frank injury, and Sam Darnold likely out uh, at least four weeks. Uh, we asked P.J., you know, you've been around Matt Rule for the bulk of your football life. Is this a a version of Matt um, that seems more fun and more loose? Um, and he said he responded yes. And and definitely as a Carolina Panther, he mentioned that what stands out uh, different from years past is that this is becoming more of a team led, or excuse me, player led team. Uh, and that is consistent with what we've seen uh, Shaq Thompson say. 
uh, you know, we don't really get much from Christian, but Matt always highlights Christian as one of the guys he goes to um, in a pinch or just trying to get a pulse of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Scott, you obviously have, have seen Matt Rule from uh, higher and inception of the Carolina Panthers, naming him the head coach, till now. Uh, have you noticed uh, some differences there? and is it, Or is it more of just kind of, you know, the whole league is becoming more normal as we're getting out of those two pandemic seasons. I think Ellis, one of the biggest changes is he's around the players all the time, which Matt rules, maybe number one uh, characteristic is likability. I think he is naturally likable and that has to translate into relationships and into people trusting his system and into people believing and elevating their game. So in that first year when he really wasn't around, he's on Zoom calls all the time and he tries to get that magnetic personality across in a Zoom call, it's just not the same. Now he's really been around, he knows these guys well. Um, There's not a lot of excuses really for this year, right? They've hired a new quarterback, McCaffrey is healthy again, the defense has gotten older and should be better. it needs to happen, right? It yeah. needs to happen. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the quarterback. You know, we can talk about Matt Rule at nauseum, but a lot of times in this league, you're only as good as that signal caller, right? And, Scott, we haven't had you on here to be able to unpack uh, the move of Carolina acquiring Baker Mayfield. So, I mean, if you can almost take us back to the the pre-trade, some uh, maybe back to May, just your uh, what you remember from – the journey that was watching Sam Darnold in OTAs and mini camps, it feels like forever ago, um, to them acquiring Baker and just your thoughts on how they navigated this. Well, it, I guess it was the best remaining option. Um, you know, they have been in this hunt ever since Rule, of course, has been here. And the, the best way it could have worked out is when they were trying to trade for Matt Stafford. That was the one that, in retrospect, you're like, oh my gosh, they should have just offered. The, offered the moon there uh, and instead but you know you still might not have got him because he, he was going to a team with Aaron Donald on it a better team a team that he knew had a shot at a Super Bowl maybe you don't get him anyway you know I couldn't stand their uh, the whole Deshaun Watson debacle to me I did not like that it was not a good look for the Panthers uh, that they went after him I thought that was uh, uh, good <laughs> that he didn't end up here mm-hmm. But with Baker Mayfield, I was in favor of the trade once they made it, especially for the relatively low price they paid, way less than they paid for Sam Darnold. And again, he's a one-year rental right now, but I think that's a heck of a one-year rental. I mean, I really, watching him in practice, I've become a semi-believer. Now, LSU would know a lot better than me because you've seen him play in games. He's a pretty good practice quarterback, though. He can throw it. Yep. Um, I like the fiery nature of him. I think a quarterback needs swagger. I think that's one thing. Darnold, as nice a guy as he is, doesn't really have uh, or doesn't really exhibit. So I'm in favor of the trade, as I wrote the day that it happened. I think it might, not should, not will, but might be the move that catapults him into the playoffs. I I completely agree. And I I think – we're at a fascinating point in Baker Mayfield's tenure with the Panthers already uh, because of what Baker Mayfield said to a Bills sideline reporter 
reporter, excuse me, Cynthia Freeland uh, of the NFL Network. She's a, a analytics expert and uh, analyst there. And then um, on the side is a Buffalo Bills sideline reporter for the preseason. And we now are at a point where the Panthers are having their first Baker Mayfield experience. For better or worse, we will find out. But if you're listening to this, you probably already know. But just to catch you up to speed, Baker Mayfield uh, had a, a conversation with Cynthia uh, after the Panthers' final preseason game against the Bills. This was a off-the-record conversation, uh, as in the two past uh, cross paths uh, after the game. She approached him and just said, you know, you look great. I'm happy for you. Uh, go out there and, and kick some butt in, in week one and, and Baker Mayfield and the way Baker does. And according to Cynthia, it was friendly, said, yeah, I'm going to F them up. Uh, them referring to the, the Cleveland Browns. Now, this story only got out because Cynthia went on uh, the very popular Around the NFL podcast and, and shared the encounter uh, on the podcast with her, her co-hosts. And it snowballed into what it is now in, in my uh, since it is a potential distraction for the Carolina Panthers and possible bulletin board material for the Cleveland Browns and all pro defensive end Miles Garrett. The reason this is so fascinating to me is, first of all, I dealt with this for about three years in Cleveland, just Baker sometimes saying things that um, you wonder if he should or not. But from a new beginning standpoint, this is what you get with Baker Mayfield. You get the confidence. You get the swagger. We've heard players say how they um, are already buying into his leadership style. We had center Bradley Bozeman a couple weeks ago say Baker is a guy that you want to play for, showing me that he's already won that locker room over. But then you also get these types of moments with Baker Mayfield. Scott, just your initial thoughts and takeaways when you learned of this story and what do you think it means leading up to this game against the Browns? Well, I don't think it means a ton, uh, but it's because I think it's not like the Browns aren't going to try to sack him and make him look bad already, nor was Baker. You know, it's, he's, he's going to play hundred at his best, 100% going to try to, as will the Browns. Uh, to me, this is one of those delicious pregame stories that ultimately kind of fades away when the game starts. Pretty harmless, I think, for the most part. Um, it did show me, I think, and I think we need to see this, Baker's personality. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've thought we've gotten muted Baker, toned down Baker for the first month. And I like – I mean, I guess in some ways when I read, you know, when you first sent me the, uh, you know, the first draft of the story and I read it and I was like, oh, boy, here we go, you know. And I think the Panthers need that. They haven't had anything like that really at the quarterback position since Cam Newton. Mm -hmm. uh, all, all that said, Baker has set him up set himself up for a fall. If he throws three picks and they lose 27 to 6, um, there'll be some crowing obviously, with the Browns. Now, I am interested in you had a conversation. This You really have advanced this story by talking to Cynthia Freeland on the phone. And so tell us a little bit more about how that went and what she said. Yeah. It, it, first of all, I just really appreciate the, the time Cynthia gave me to, to uh, unpack this and explain herself a little further. And 
first and foremost, she acknowledged that she should not have aired a, a private conversation between her and Baker Mayfield uh, publicly like that, um, which I, I, I agree with. You know, in this industry, um, we have a lot of off-the-record conversations, and, and to uh, just in complete fairness, you you understand that those you don't disclose those um, on any sort of airway. I, I do have some empathy with her in this. It's been going on for a while, but new age of media, if you will, where, you know, we're, we're kind of always reporting. Like if there's a, you know, if, when the mics are on or you're tweeting. You yeah, but really, the mics weren't on, right? Exactly. There was no mic on. You're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. When she was talking to Baker, there were no mics on and she acknowledged that. Um, and she made a point that this is a situation where she regrets what she did reached out to Baker uh, to apologize. They have not talked uh, as of the last time I spoke to, to Cynthia, uh, but she understands, you know, she doesn't want to waste Baker's time with this. She, she recognized that uh, into her, in her words, she thought this was a non-story, which clearly it isn't, but um, she is somebody who uh, I think learned something from this and really if this, if she does not say this publicly, obviously it, it never gets out. And Baker Mayfield had no intention of getting this out. And to be fair to Baker, every time we've gotten him at the podium, he has been both politically correct in how he's addressed his former team, but also human in acknowledging. And and I believe the quote is, you know, I'm not a robot. Of course, it's going to mean a right. little more. Right. And now we just got the complete tearing back of the curtain with Cynthia's comments. Right. And uh, so, I, again, I don't think it's super harmful uh, one way or the other. Uh, I agree with Cynthia's, you know, in retrospect, you don't do right. that. But you also can say something on a podcast. You know, we might say something today. Who knows? <laughs> we really regret. Here come the aggregators. It happens. Um, so, uh, you know, but in any case, it is a storyline that's compelling for this week. Uh, as the Panthers face Cleveland, it's just it's it's just a great first week matchup. Uh, just a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, and I, I mean I'm really looking forward to it. I always look forward to the first game, but I think it's special when it's at home. It's always helpful that they're not on the road, you know, for the first game when you're having to watch it all on TV as a fan. And you know, I think the stadium will be really packed, and they'll have a chance to win back some of these fans who are perturbed. For they sure. spend a lot of money, and they keep watching losing teams and uh, opposing fans infiltrating the stadium, and that ain't much fun when you're spending hundreds of dollars on tickets and parking and everything else. I mean, you can easily drop $500 on a Sunday and then watch your team lose by 20 That ain't fun. So this is a chance, one, you know, a chance that they have to sort of make it right. And they got a lot of chances to make it right. Four of their first five at home and five of their first seven. I was going to say, and this team wins games in September. Am I right? Mm, yeah, yeah, often. <laughs> I mean, that's been a recent trend. They used to go back and they'd, they'd start every year two and six and then make a furious run. Gotcha. Uh, now it's been more like they start three and oh and in five and 12. Yep. Well, <laughs> The second, the first one's probably better. Rivera's teams always, uh, very frequently started slowly. Uh, Rules teams have, you know, kind of 
Uh, well, we'll see this year. But they've got a chance to start fast. They need to. Yeah, if Baker Mayfield's leading the league in rushing touchdowns after a couple of weeks, mm. well, the alarms will go off. Yes, we'll, that's right. That's know what that right. means. Um, before we move on, I want to ask you about the roster. I do want to put a, a, a bow on this Baker Mayfield point because I do tend to agree with you that this doesn't mean a whole lot, his comments coming out about how he's going to F up his former team. And I would have agreed with you except – the other night, for some reason, I just happened to catch the the end of the NFL's top 100. Um, and when you get the in-game audio, it takes you back to being uh, just a competitor. When You know, we all, whatever level you played sports, we all had, you know, for the most part, some time in our life, whether it was a playground or people who play college athletics, when you were a competitor in a, on a playing field, right? And Aaron Donald, the number two uh, player, in the NFL's top 100, they had a nice uh, anecdote about, and with game audio, where the Super Bowl game against the Bengals last year, early in the game, first quarter, perhaps the first series, I don't exactly remember, but uh, there's a run play, and, and Donald gets pushed out of bounds, and there's some the Bengals linemen are kind of being a little extra with them, pushing him in the back of the neck, and, you know, he's a little shorter guy. It's coming from me. That's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's not – these linemen, yeah. they, do, they do stand over him like that. Um and it really ticked Donald off, and it started a little squirmish on the sideline. And then the audio that impressed me the most where were the Rams players going, uh-oh, they pissed off Aaron Donald. <laughs> they ticked off Aaron Donald. You poke the bear. And then, you know, how NFL Films does it, they start showing clips of Donald dominating to make it look like it's a cause and effect. But when you do think back on that game, he really did uh, set a tone throughout and then made the game-winning play at the end of the game. Did that all happen because he was ticked off a little mm-hmm. bit? Who knows? Um, but it is a reminder that sometimes these players do need just a little extra motivation, not to necessarily succeed, but to reach heights that you, you can't prepare for. Sometimes. Well, that's true. And, uh, you know, there can be an in-game, I could see almost an in-game display, sure. taunting Baker possibly. Uh, This reminds me in some ways, and and Cam's, it was much more overt, but Cam, of course, did the Superman celebration after every touchdown. So that was early. I mean, he was doing that as a rookie. So then, and and it it happened dozens of times probably in his career, when he got sacked, the defender did the Superman celebration. That's just what you, you buy, that is part of, that's a receipt that is issued when you, make that purchase of, I'm going to put myself out there. And, you know, Baker Mayfield also gets uh, big-time commercial deals and stuff because he is who he is, and he is interesting and fun and all that stuff. So this is all, like you say, I like the glimpse of a real Baker Mayfield because that's what they're going to need. Yeah, 100%. Completely agree. Um, All right, Scott, I want to get your thoughts uh, on the rest of this roster real quickly before we uh, get into a a betting segment to end the show and and put a a bow on this preview. Um, This roster is very interesting. You know, the Panthers are likely going to trot out, you know, 10, 11 new starters compared to a a year ago, most notably across the offensive line. When you look at what Scott Fitterer and Matt Rule had done this offseason and now that you've had time to see training camp, three preseason games – quarterback room aside what position group interests you the most well offensive line would be a natural choice I think because there's so much to you know they got to do a lot of they got to do a lot better right (laughs) and that's been that way for a long time but uh, since we've talked a fair amount about offensive line I'll pick defensive line here 
uh, and that there's a spot where I'm wondering who else is going to. Mm-hmm. We were writing about, we're talking about this even a little about, you know, our for our Sunday, September 11th stuff in the paper. Uh, who's going to be along with Brian Burns? Who is number two on the pass rushing? Who Who is it? Is it Uter Gross Matos, who I guess would be the most likely person, but is it Frankie Louvu? Who is it that doesn't let Brian Burns get double-teamed every time right. and starts taking advantage of what's going to be single blocking on the other side? Um, because, you know, I'd forgotten, Ellis, but looking back at that, they they had the third-highest blitz percentage in the NFL last year. Wow, yeah. okay. So they were trying hard to get to the quarterback. And even with that percentage, which was basically one out of every three times mm-hmm. they blitzed, uh, they only got to the quarterback. They were very middle of the pack. And this is even with Hassan Reddick exactly. with 11 sacks. Brian Burns had nine last year. Brian Burns badly wants to get to at least 10. Rule would love him to get to more like 14 yep. uh, and be a real dominant pass rusher. Um, but that, to me, is the, the – the, particularly, I think they're going to be pretty good at stopping the run, uh, but I wonder if they're going to be able to get to Tom Brady and if they're going to be able to affect – uh, quarterbacks, hundred percent, and they're in a intriguing point in their d- defensive line and pass rush development. In the sense that they lost Hassan Reddick, which was the expectation. You know, they talked about trying to bring him back, but if you if you look yeah. at the money pretty quickly, you realize that was never going to happen. Yeah. Um, and as you mentioned with Brian Burns, back to back seasons just under double digit sacks, he needs to come into his own simultaneously as the Panthers find a number two edge rusher as Brian Burns has, you know, essentially been that number two guy, despite um, him carrying the number one pass rushing uh, title or, or perception. It really off the edge was Hassan Reddick a year ago. You know, he played the most snaps uh, of edge rushers. Like you said, team high sacks, team high in quarterback hits. Uh, so Brian has a lot to prove while also this team finds a way to establish a number two pass rusher. It's a, it's a tough task. It is. It is, and I think that's a big deal. The, the defense has got to cause more turnovers, and that a lot of yes. times comes from your rush. Exactly, exactly. For me, a uh, position group I, I'm most uh, interested in, in seeing how they develop or what transpires this year is the wide receiver room. Um, you know, obvious one, perhaps with my history, you no know, duh, but there are a lot of questions there. Um, we can start at the top with DJ Moore, uh, Back-to-back four touchdown seasons, of course, 1,100 yards. We all know what D.J. Moore is capable of. But like Brian, can he take that next step? He's getting paid like a top five, top six receiver. Is he? We're we're about to find out. That leads to a question of what Baker Mayfield can do with true number one receivers. Um, If we have any Browns fans listening for whatever reason because of this preview, they're well familiar with the problems he had with Odell Beckham Jr. in Cleveland, never really – being able to establish that that dominant number one outside guy. After that, what is this team going to get from Robbie Anderson, who, of course, had a, a, a down year last season after coming off a career year and, and getting that big double-digit million contract? Uh, Terrace Marshall is another guy uh, who the team is desperate to see take that leap uh, that, that they expected of him at, at being a second-round pick. Uh, they just traded for Lavisic Chenault. What is he going to look like? I've had people in that building tell me that they envision a Curtis Samuel-like role for him. Is that possible? 
Uh, Rashard Higgins is here. He, he's got a rapport with Baker Mayfield. Perhaps he becomes the most consistent guy out of yeah, nowhere. Yeah, Shai Smith, right? And then, yeah. boom, Shai Smith, who has Matt Rule has called a, a true bright spot in training camp. He's going to be that slot receiver for this team. And we're already seeing Baker Mayfield and him have a, a rapport in, in chemistry uh, that I think is going to translate uh, as soon as this upcoming Sunday. So, I, you know, I just really ran through the whole room, which is not something you can usually do when you go across the league, but still just a lot of question marks, right? ton of iffiness there, really. I mean, I'd really wonder about Robbie Anderson this year, and yeah. I wonder if they made the trade, partly because they're just not sure. And they gave Ben McAdoo, a guy he'd been with in Jacksonville, I think, in Chenault. Uh, I do like Shai Smith. Reminds me a little of the way Ricky Prohl played here in the Super Bowl season where he was such a great uh, third outlet. You need that, you know. And McCaffrey, I mean, McCaffrey is kind of a wide receiver too. Right. You mentioned him. but So he, he papers over a lot of flaws because he's going to catch maybe the – you know, he'll probably have the most receptions on the team if he stays healthy, he or DJ Moore. Um, so they got, they got a lot of – things to work with there but I'd agree with you it's a it's a real it's a real question yeah and we got about 20 minutes into this pod and had even mentioned the Panthers best player in Christian McCaffrey but I, I think that is uh, symbolic of really what this season means for Christian McCaffrey and the f- fact that you know what you're going to get when he's out there he yeah. is one of one it's just will he be out there and we don't know yet he'll be out there in week one we do know that Scott Fowler we do know that um as I said, I want to try and wrap this podcast up with uh, some, some betting props that I think help encapsulate uh, where this season is going. Uh, let's start with Baker Mayfield. Scott, uh, FanDuel has his over-under passing yards at 3,600.5. Would you take the over-under on that? I think I'm going to have to go under on that. That's a lot of yards um, for a Panther quarterback, and you got to figure you're going to be handing the ball to McCaffrey. 15 or 18 times a game, um, and as we just talked about, they're receiving. Uh, so, yeah, I would I would go under. What would you do? Yeah, I would agree with you on the under for, for everything you laid out. And additionally, I think this team's going to be a, a sneaky good run team. I think they're going to run more than they're alluding to, but Matt Rule has also told us as, as early as last season that that's the type of offense he – is most comfortable with or believes in the most ones that can dictate the the pace of play on the ground. And of course, starting, you mentioned the offensive line being the most interesting, uh, one of the most interesting groups for you. Iki McQuanu, that's his loan. It's his strength. I don't want to say loan strength, but that is his best attribute right now is, is in the run game. And they're going to want to protect him on the edge there as much as possible, uh, especially in week one, as he's going to be going up against miles Garrett and Javion Clowney. Right, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So, yeah, I think they're, you know, that's two hundred some odd yard, yards a game. I think ideally, Rule would love it if they, you know, threw for two hundred and ran for one seventy five or something yep. in a in a game and controlled the ball and and let the defense help you, you know, and and won it. You know, this I don't think this is a team that scores thirty four, right. thirty five points yet. Right, they're just that, not there. Yep, yeah. that's the formula. I agree. Um, Baker Mayfield touchdowns twenty two and a half over or under. I think I'd go over there as long as he starts. Uh, you know, seventeen games. I mean, that's that's only a touchdown and a half a game. I think, I think he'll I think he'll get past that in Cleveland. I think he had you know more like 
26, 27 in, in, you know, his good years. Now, of course, if he, you know, it's all relative to health. But I think a healthy Baker Mayfield throws more than 22. Yeah, you? Well, yeah we're in alignment again on yeah. that. Uh, he broke the rookie touchdown record in 2018 with 27. In 2020, when he took the Browns to the playoffs, 26 scores, only eight interceptions that year. That's really the number uh, mm-hmm. that, that's going to matter for Baker Mayfield. I will say this though about Baker is he is a very smooth operator in the red zone. Uh, when he gets a clean read, when there's really not a window too tight for Baker in the red zone. He's not a red zone inter- uh, interception thrower. It's between the 20s when he you know takes chances or misses a, a robber linebacker or something like that. Uh, but it, I think this is a team that, yeah, they're going to want to run it in when they, they can, but they're going to be able to pick some matchups on the outside, and we'll see Baker be, be effective um, in the red zone. I think that's where he'll get the bulk of his touchdowns. From a team perspective, here are some props for you. Uh, there's 11 over-unders available, or excuse me, spreads available right now for the Panthers in the regular season. Uh, based on those numbers, Carolina is projected as a favorite in just one game in underdogs in the other 10. Their win total is sitting at six and a half. Scott Fowler, would you take the over-under on that? Well, over on six and a half. Gosh, that's, I mean, they only have to win seven. Seven and 10, I think, would be, that might not be enough to save Rule's job, Bingo. but I feel like they're going to be better, but then you know, than five and twelve. But last year, I thought they were going to be better than five and twelve too. So, you know, take my word with a salt shaker of salt. But I think that, yeah, six and a half seems a bit low. I, I tend to agree with you here. Uh, without running through the schedule, I, I think this is more of just an indictment on the state of the NFC than it is necessarily where the Panthers are or if they're a playoff team or not. It's just that. They have a, a watered down, you know, the schedule. They've got some tough road games, notably, like, you know, at the Los Angeles Rams, defending Super Bowl champions. But just as a whole, this NFC is in question. And we can just start with the, or leave it even at the NFC South. I, I mean, the Saints, new head coach, uh, the Bucks, a ton of question marks there. Tom Brady was gone <laughs> for 11 days, right? And now he's back with a banged up offensive line already. Chris Godwin tearing his ACL a year ago. He's playing with a brace on. Unlikely he's available for week one. Who knows? Perhaps they put him um, on IR. Maybe by the time you listen to this, he already is. A lot of questions there. And then Atlanta clearly rebuilding, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. NFC South. I mean, there's there's some room there. I mean, I don't. I don't like the Panthers' chances against Tom Brady and you know ten guys that you got from the local rec league, but. They uh, the other two are certainly beatable. You right. know, finishing their 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 recipe for success, I think, is finishing second in the NFC South, squeezing into that final wild card spot. I think that's that's kind of the high end, I would think, for this team. Bingo, and that leads us to where we think the Panthers could finish in this NFC quickly. If you're feeling frisky, plus nine hundred for the Panthers to win the NFC South. That meaning a hundred dollars will get you 900 back plus your 100 back you could walk out with a grand and and be pretty happy with Matt Rule uh Scott I want to walk you through this real quick before we get out of here uh there are five NFC teams with worse Super Bowl odds or longer Super Bowl odds than the Panthers which projects them Vegas projecting Carolina to finish with the 11th best record in the NFC the top seven teams make the playoffs so essentially Carolina needs to beat out Three of these 10 teams, Washington, New Orleans, Minnesota, Arizona, Philly, Dallas, 
San Francisco, Green Bay, Los Angeles, and Tampa. Safe to assume Tampa, Los Angeles, Green Bay, and then we're going to get a division winner in the NFC East, so we'll say that's Philly. Those four are the favorites to be in. So essentially of Washington, New Orleans, Minnesota, Arizona, and Dallas, which one of those teams do you think Carolina should and can finish ahead of for a wild card spot if they do? Well, they'd have to finish ahead of Washington, I think. I mean, you can't. It, they got to finish ahead of everyone in the NFC East besides whoever wins the right. thing. So if that's Dallas or Philly, you got to you know beat out all those guys, beat out Washington. I think you'd need to beat out uh, probably New Orleans too, right? Uh, you know, and be be second in your own division. Uh, they're not going to be better than. You know, I don't think the 49ers or the Rams or the Packers or, you know, you could list a bunch of them. Um, but I think those – they got to kind of make their hay in their own division and then in the uh, in the NFC East they're going to – you know, I don't think that's a really very good division. Right. I think the NFC West is the strength. Yeah, I, I am in lockstep with you there. And, and I think that there may be a sneaky regression in Arizona. And that's a team they're going to get uh, at home – in the, the top half of their schedule. So no DeAndre Hopkins for Arizona. That is, that's oh, a yeah. sneaky big game for Carolina at Bank of America Stadium that will likely have a lasting effects in this wild card race. If you see Arizona just have the season from hell, Kyler Murray's playing too many video games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Something like that. Um, and then they finish above New Orleans, like you keep saying, which I completely agree with needs to happen. And then Washington, uh, Though they they were beat by them last year, that that team is real in flux. Flux. You never know what you're going to get with Carson Wentz. I do think there's a real roadmap here to Carolina being right around 500, and they reach the playoffs. That yeah, I mean there's that that's the hope in 32 NFL cities, right? Uh, <laughs> we've seen a whole lot of teams not make it around here, so I'm uh, somewhat skeptical, but. There is the roadmap does exist. I would agree with you, and it is predicated on Mayfield and McCaffrey more than anything else. Hundred percent. I'd love to know what uh, some Houston Texans podcast or Detroit Lions podcast are right, saying right yeah. now around Hope this time. Always springs right? eternal in the early fall. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That and in, in NBA drafts when you're in the lottery and you, you're, yeah. your franchise changes right around the corner. Right. That's right. Uh, Scott, let's just get out here with this. Uh, I want to ask you, what is one thing you're looking forward to the most, most intrigued by uh, as we head very soon to Bank of America Stadium for the Carolina Panthers to open the 2022 season? Um, you know, I think it's just it's just what we've probably been talking about. I'm more intrigued by Mayfield than anything else. He's new. He's different. They've been trying to solve quarterback forever. And to me, that's the, that's the most intriguing storyline on this team. How about you? Yeah, I completely agree. This and on top of that, it's it's Baker Mayfield chapter two, right? We so it's so rare that these uh, rookie quarterbacks get another opportunity immediately after the team that drafts them parts ways with them, right? I mean, the Jameis Winston's and Marcus Mariota's of the world had to go wait for a little bit. Uh, Baker's got a shot right now to redeem his NFL career, get back on track, perhaps land a, a major payday, and. Kind of silence really the debate on his status in this league so we shall see that's going to be a wrap here on the panthers tracks podcast 
For Ellis Williams and Scott Fowler, we are signing off. This podcast was produced by Michaela Holder. Thanks for listening, y'all, and take care.